Good morning, everybody. Happy March 15th, 2019, two days before St. Patrick's Day. Luck of the Irish. If you're one of our Irish listeners, happy St. Patrick's Day. And even if you're not, if you're just down for the green beer, happy St. Patrick's Day. Uh, We are going to have quite a show today. And uh, in light of what happened in New Zealand, I think it's going to be a very appropriate show, coincidentally. So let me tell you, before I talk about New Zealand, let me tell you who's coming on the show. In our first segment, Armin Abelian from Equality Armenia is coming on. And Armenia is one of the hot spots around the globe right now uh, where LGBT people are really struggling for acceptance in a country that has not always been totally open-armed and accepting, but uh, Equality Armenia here in Southern California are doing their part to raise public awareness about uh, and do fundraising about what's happening in Armenia and hoping to move Armenia along into greater acceptance of their LGBT community. So we'll be hearing from Armin uh, first off. And then the second segment, we've got noted uh, LGBT historian and journalist Karen Oakham who writes for the Los Angeles Blade. Uh, Karen is uh, incredible. You know, I've known her. I don't even want to tell you how long. I think almost 40 years. Uh, we go back to the beginning days uh, of, you know, a lot of the movement, at least in the early 80s. Um, and um, uh, she has just been, she. I call her the walking Wikipedia of LGBT people because she seems to know everything about everything. And uh, anyway, she wants to talk about the introduction of the Equality Act by Speaker Nancy Pelosi in Washington, D.C. and what it means. And, of course, historically, what all these anti-discrimination bills have been and what happened here specifically in California over what we call AB 101 and the veto of AB 101 in 1991 and all the backlash that created. And then in the third segment... Uh, my old pal Mariah Hansen from Club Skirts. Mariah, uh, one of the founders of Dinah Shore Weekend in Palm Springs, where annually uh, 10,000 lesbians gather. Uh, largest gathering of lesbians in the world, I believe, Dinah Shore Weekend in Palm Springs, and wanted to talk to Mariah about the originations of Dinah Shore Weekend and how it all got started and, of course, what's coming up uh, for this year's Dinah Shore Weekend out in the desert. So th- those are our our three guests. But before we do that, I need to just stop a moment and reflect a bit on what happened in New Zealand this week. Because 49 souls perished. 49 Muslims. That's more murders in one day than New Zealand sees through the entire year. And it's an act of hate and it's a cowardly act to attack people in morning prayer who are unarmed um, 28-year-old white supremacist from Australia and New Zealand gunning down innocent people in their mosque. It's so horrendous. And, uh, you know, the, Donald Trump condemned it. Thank you for that. But, Mr. Trump, you need to take a step back and perhaps see what greater political forces are in play, not only in our country, but all over the world, in France, in New Zealand, in Europe, as uh, people who are white Christian nationals are feeling threatened by people who are not white or who are not Christian. And the levels of intolerance that we are seeing from South Carolina to France to now, sadly, Christchurch, New Zealand, um, should shake all of us up to our core uh, about what is happening in our world when right-wing extremism raises its ugly, ugly head. 
You know, in South Carolina, the uh, the white Aryan resistance KKK, the white nationalists there, were protesting and chanting, Jews will not replace us. Well, this white nationalist who took out 49 Muslims in New Zealand wrote a manifesto uh, about uh, Muslims will not replace us. And that is the great fear of white nationalists on the right, no matter what part of the world they hail from, is this fear of being replaced by people who are different from them. And uh, Mr. Trump, there is nothing on par. One group is not like the other. There are not good people on both sides of the issue. It is pretty stark. It is pretty clear. It is without debate that one side uses uh, hate and violence and guns as a way to prove their point, while the other side uh, seeks Tolerance uh, stands for the concept of diversity and are unarmed and peaceful. There is no parity, sir. And until you get that in that little orange skull of yours to realize that you are on the wrong side of history by continuing to cling to white nationalists as part of your base, uh, we will not be able to move forward as a country or to heal. So my heart, my soul goes out to the people in New Zealand, those Muslim families that are now suffering grief and loss over a random act of violence that sadly ended up getting broadcast all over Facebook and YouTube and social media. You are part of the problem when a six-minute massacre can be televised live as if it's entertainment on social network applications. There is a critical and ugly, ugly problem in social media. And I hope that all of those platforms are taking a moment to reflect on the part that they play when insane, crazy evil ends up writing manifestos and then broadcasting their massacres and their acts of destruction and hate as if it's got entertainment value. There's something really, really wrong in the world. So... That's all I want to say about that, because I say much more. I'm just going to get even more red flush in the face than I am at this moment. Um, This is at the core of LGBT equality, fighting against hate, fighting against intolerance, fighting against violence and discrimination. It is a core value for the LGBT community. And if we are not now standing up, screaming at the top of our lungs and chairs, to defend the Muslim community, then who are you? Who are you? We need to unite together here. Jew, Muslim, Christian, black, white, brown, yellow, gay, straight, bi, gender fluid, it doesn't really matter. We all need to lock arms against this intolerance and this growing hate that seems to be encircling the world at this moment because this is what happened right after World War I that led to World War II, that led to the loss of millions and millions of lives around this planet. And when right-wing forces like this coalesce and gather, and intolerance is in the center of people who are different from me, and that is at the core of the hatred, then all sorts of inhumanity and carnage occur. We've seen it historically over and over again, and we need to stand strong now and say, not now. Not here, not ever. So, 
After the break, we'll be back with Equality Armenia, Armin Abelian, and we're going to focus a bit on Armenia and what's happening there. Thank you for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What is that, man? What were you just playing? I love that. That's a Black Eyed Peas, Where's the Love? I love that, man. That's awesome. Thank you. In studio now, Armin Abelian, uh, the executive director of Equality Armenia. Welcome, Armin. Yeah. Hello, John. Uh, thanks for inviting me. No, I'm so glad you're here. Now, you and I met, I don't remember, a couple of years ago at some event. I think it was over breakfast when you were just starting Equality Armenia, right? Uh, yes, it was uh, a little over a year ago then uh, we met, and uh, you were our first honoree yes. at the uh, Equality Armenia Leadership Awards. Yeah, very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Why did you guys start Equality Armenia? What's the, what's the point? You know... Um, it is such a privilege to live in a country that has advanced in LGBT rights that I feel a duty that I need to help my brothers and sisters in Armenia to enjoy uh, similar freedoms that we do here. Mm. And uh, t- I mean, what is the state of affairs in Armenia? I think a lot of yeah. listeners, like myself, have never been to Armenia. I know a little uh-huh. bit about what it, what I read in the news, but I really don't know what's happening in Armenia. Okay, just to give you a little bit of uh, context, Armenians pride themselves in being the first Christian uh, country in the world. They just hang on to that dearly. And it's uh, understandable, you know, when people ask me where I'm from, I go, I'll give you a clue. I'm from where Noah's Ark landed, you know. So it comes from there. Wow, Mount Mount Ararat. Ararat. You know your Bible. You know my Bible. (laughs) I got pounded over the head with it a lot. Yeah, Yeah. so (laughs) it is a very uh, proud Christian country, and uh, they hold that value uh, very dear to them. And also, um, just being a survivalist culture that has been persecuted for centuries, it has created this national identity that anything new or from the outside, uh, it threatens uh, Armenian national identity. That's how it's uh, viewed. So it's very difficult to um, talk about LGBT issues without people just, uh, you know, calling out the Bible <laughs> and uh, saying that, you know, in this country, um, we have to follow what it says in the Bible. But I always remind them gently that it also says you can't eat shrimp. So uh, As well. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of us are familiar, at least with the notion of the Armenian genocide, because uh-huh. we know the history of what happened between Turkey and Armenia. But maybe not everybody does. But mm-hmm. that was uh, in the turn of the last century, right? Yes. And... Uh, Basically, uh, history repeats itself, and it's so strange to see how it has happened so many times throughout our history. So um, at the end of the Ottoman Empire, when it was falling, so when empires extend themselves too thin, you know, and then troubles start, and then they need uh, to find a scapegoat. 
So they start pointing out fingers to minorities and you know demonizing them, and then they figure the way to make everything better is just to get rid of minorities, which Armenians were in the Ottoman Empire. So uh, during the World, uh, World War One, um, they came in, recruited all the men, took it to the army, and uh, killed most of them. And then they came back for um, the elected officials, the community leaders, and uh, just leaders in the community, and took them away. And then they came back for the um, defenseless women and children. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's how myself and most Armenians um, are spread around the world and it's because they escape wherever they could mm. uh, in the region and even to United States. So in Armenia today, what's it like for LGBT people? You know, um, I have to say I've lived in Armenia for uh, 20 years and um, I keep a close eye on what's going on and I have seen a lot of progress. It starts from in 2003, they were one of the first uh, post-Soviet republics to decriminalize uh, homosexuality. So it's, it was off the books since 2003. But of course, the stigma and uh, just demonization of LGBT people, it's very rampant. But at the same time, I have to um, say that a lot of progress has happened since 2003. Just in 2017, Armenia signed um, cooperation and economic um, agreement with the European Union, and according to those terms, they have to uh, gradually adapt um, standards that are set by the European Union. And one of them is anti-discrimination, and uh, although it hasn't been spelled out in the Armenian constitution, um, discrimination based on sexual orientation, it is uh, just discrimination in general based on sex and many other factors is um, not allowed. So, um, and then last year, actually, a lot of progress happened last year. Armenia was named uh, to be the country of the year by The Economist, the magazine, and it was because they thought Armenia made the most gains towards democracy, towards uh, ridding itself uh, from corruption. And that was because... Um, there was a revolution that took place, and it call, it's called a Velvet Revolution because it was just uh, achieved without firing one bullet. And it took, uh, it was up to the people. They gathered together and they uh, protested the uh, powers in charge in Armenia. And it started with an opposition uh, assembly member who used to be an investigative journalist. He started a march from the second largest city in Armenia to the capital. And by the time he arrived in the capital, he was surrounded by hundreds of thousands of people who were supporting him and were against then uh, corrupt regime, uh, which had been in power for uh, more than 10 years. The prime minister had been in power uh, more than 10 years. And he uh, changed the constitution to give him another term as a prime minister from switching from president to prime minister just like Putin did Uh, but people didn't um, agree with that and they took to the streets they were very polite it was a civil disobedience they never clashed with the police and uh, basically they shut down all commerce access to airports roads and they brought their families out with them, kids and uh, mothers and uh, the elderly. It was a family affair, and they would cook on the streets, uh, 
uh, help each other and then in the morning clean the streets and then <laughs> start over again in the evening so it was this very uh, beautiful thing and it helped them the people to see that they're all on the side of each other which is the people so with that with that um, revolution of you could say love there was a lot of love in that and uh, also brought to power some uh, worldly uh, people who are more open-minded and uh, they are in a very precarious place where they can't come out and express uh, support outright because there are just too many people uh, screaming LGBT Western influence uh, outside influence and a lot of that comes from uh, being so close to Russia and uh, we get a lot of uh, Russian influence through the media you know we don't have anti-LGBT laws like propaganda laws like Russia does but all that sips into the consciousness of the Armenian people so it's more uh, pressure from neighboring Russia than let's say religion like in this country our major force it, of opposition is religion yes but uh, it, Armenia is primarily a Christian nation. Correct? It is, yeah. Is it then some of the old Leviticus about shellfish and homosexuality and different fabrics yeah. that gets woven in there? Or it does. It? It's very selective. You know, cafeteria Christians, they just pick and choose the parts in the Bible that supports their argument, but they forget that Jesus actually didn't say anything about homosexuality. Not a word. He just said, and it was everywhere. The Greeks yeah. made sure it was everywhere oh, during yeah, the time yeah. of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> now, is there also a very strong um, idea in Armenian culture about you have to marry and you have to have children? I mean, like much like oh, Asian yes. culture, does that exist in Armenian culture? Yes, it's almost the only blueprint available in terms of how you're going to set up your life. So uh, there's a lot of pressure on people in Armenia to fulfill that duty which is uh, very welcomed I think that's a great idea but it shouldn't be uh, the only option right uh, but yes uh, they try to pair you up with someone and you have kids and you continue I guess the building block of society as they see it and uh, yeah there is a lot of pressure here well, and in Armenia. LGBT people, we can do that too, just a little different. Oh, yeah, some, some more good news. <laughs> yeah, wait, in, hold on. We got to go to commercial break, but when we come back, we'll pick up right there. We're talking to Armin okay. from Equality Armenia. You're listening to Sidebar with John Duran. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yes, my producer there playing John Lennon's Imagine. I needed to hear that on a day like today. I'm still reeling over news of New Zealand. Now we're talking to Armin Abelian, the executive director of Equality Armenia, where a lot of good work is happening, too. Now, I know here in Southern California, there's a very large Armenian community, primarily in the Glendale area. Glendale's kind of known yes. as the heart of the Armenian community. Yes, it is. Are Armenians concentrated mostly in Southern California, or are they all over the United States? There are large communities in uh, Los Angeles, in Fresno, in New York. There's some in uh, Michigan, and uh, Illinois, and uh, Florida, 
Okay, everywhere. <laughs> basically, uh, there, yeah, there are a lot of Armenians, but in not great concentrations all over the United States. Right. Yes. And you and the Armenians use the Cyrillic alphabet, correct? Like yes. Russia, right? And it's uh, it's actually a very unique alphabet. It's it's not Latin based. It's not uh, Russian. It's it's it belongs in an Indo-European. Uh, language groups. Well, there you go. Yeah. But I have to ask, I mean, looking at you, now I look at you, you're very mm. physically attractive. To me, you look like you oh, could be you. one of my people, Latino <laughs> people. But oh, I get you, that all the time. Yeah, I was going to say, you yeah. look like you could be yeah. Latino here in greater Los Angeles, but yeah. do you get mistaken for Muslim sometimes or other things? Or Yeah, actually, uh, what a travesty that happened in uh, New Zealand, and my heart goes out yeah. to uh, our uh, Muslim brothers and sisters. It's, it's just terrible. And Yes, I kind of uh, blend in uh, most places I go. If I'm in uh, South America, people think I'm from there. I went to uh, uh, the Middle East. People thought I was from there. I've been right. to uh, Morocco, and I got a really good tan. People start <laughs> talking to me in Arabic. Oh, how funny. So, uh, yeah. Do you I speak do get, Arabic? No. I speak a little bit of Farsi. Oh, you do? Farsi, but oh, Farsi. Not, not Arabic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Right before the break, we were talking about uh, things that are happening in Armenia. And I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt you, but we had to go to commercial. Do you remember what point you were yes, going to make? Yes, I was okay. going to tell you some uh, more news. And I'm a pragmatic person. I know there's so much work to be done. And the work is uh, being done slowly, I guess as fast as it can be. Because um, I don't fault anyone in their uh, mindset and in their ideology. So... I my job is not to call people uh, bigots because if you read the clickbait headlines from uh, let's say all around the country and uh, you know things happen in Armenia but uh, I got some statistics from uh, Pink Armenia which is the um, Pink the, Armenia it's I the like oldest uh, LGBT organization in Armenia they do amazing work hmm. and Mamikon is the um, executive director of uh, Pink Armenia and. I tell this often, but when I think of superheroes, it's not Superman who I'm thinking of. Hmm. You know, it's hmm. it's Mamikon. That guy is out there every day, sticking his neck out, risking for uh, the rest of us and the rest of the LGBT people and everyone in Armenia. And I have some statistics from uh, Pink Armenia. So basically, they do a report every year, and it, in their report, they say how many uh, you know the statistics on violence. And I checked it out. So uh, in 2015, there were 46 cases of violence. And no deaths. Against LGBT? Yes, uh, against LGBT people. And uh, thank God there were no fatalities. It was, um, you know, people Beatings. beating up people yeah. because. Hate crime. You know, we would call it hate yeah. crimes here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is ha- hate crimes. And then that's so 2015, it was 46 cases. 2016, it was 27 cases. So it dropped significantly. And in 2017 and 2018, it's uh, about 30 cases of violence. So it's it's not uh, skyrocketing. Right, right. But uh, we have to keep at it and we have to educate the public. We're not out there to call anyone uh, a bigot. I just call everyone and I think of everyone as a future ally. So I go out. We haven't done our job yet to win their hearts and minds with uh, our message. My way of approaching it is just to show the greatness, um, my my love for my country, and I'm just my heart bleeds for my country, just like any other Armenians. And um, also, I just want to show them that we're just uh, part of each other. You know, we're not outside 
of the Armenian culture or the people uh, were with them. So um, I like to highlight people who do great work on LGBT matters, people uh, who are in office, who have expressed support in front of hundreds of thousands of people during the Velvet Revolution. And, um, and I also want to uh, show that LGBT people have always been part of the Armenian community from beginning of time until, uh, until now. We have a lot of um, writers, artists, um, politicians, that have been LGBT. Some of them are known, some of them are not known, but I like to highlight uh, the positive in our allies and um, in the LGBT community. So um, that's really that's awesome. my and, approach. And you know, I think that uh, with the Armenian community, because they experienced genocide, much uh-huh. like the Jewish community experienced yes. genocide, much like the LGBT community experienced genocide during mm-hmm. plague, I mean, we have a common uh, arena to right. step into together and say, uh-huh. we have all experienced what yes. happens when masses or tribes of people target right. you or target mm-hmm. us uh, based on our difference. Yeah. We know how it feels when you're looked yeah. at the different, the other. Right, the other, yeah. By, yeah. By, by others. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. What does uh, Equality Armenia do? You, you gather, I assume, LGBT American Armenians and yes. then do what? We reach out to uh, all Armenians, uh, LGBT, non-LGBT uh, around the world, and uh, we try to uh, keep them connected and also direct attention to certain issues that's going on. There are uh, uh, litigations that are happening in Armenia, in European courts, and we want to be supportive of that. And also, we support organizations uh, here, like Gallus. I uh, was the Gay and Lesbian Armenian Society. Yes, right? I was the Gallus. president of Gallus before uh, Equality Armenia. And uh, Gallus does amazing work in the community where they have uh, peer to peer support groups. And, and I think. It's coming up. I think it's maybe this Saturday or uh, next Saturday. There is a parent-child uh, support group that is happening, I think, in Glendale. Um, that is, uh, I'm so glad that they're doing that work in the community, uh, which is much needed. But I would say Quality Armenia's uh, direction is uh, towards Armenia because, thank God, we have organizations here that take care of uh, right. LGBT individuals if they need help we have liaisons with the lgbt center we can direct them to someone who speaks armenian so um i think our focus and just because i feel so appreciative of the country that we live in that we have such freedoms i just feel that my duty is to try to help um our brothers and sisters in armenia and uh, i remember the good news i was going to share with you it was in 2017 that Armenia uh, started recognizing uh, same-sex marriages uh, abroad. Mm. If so, if your same-sex marriage is uh, legal in your host country where you're from, then Armenia recognizes it. And I think that's very significant because uh, someone has to uh, work on uh, basically enticing the government to afford the same rights to their own citizens. Yeah, and the, yeah. the, the church there, is a, it's an Eastern Orthodox church primarily, correct? It's yeah. a Christian 
Orthodox Church. Mm -hmm. There's a Eastern and Western diasporas in the United States, but the main uh, mother church is uh, in Armenia. Our, yeah. uh, we've Edge only got about a minute left. So if people mm -hmm. want to reach you, tell us about your website or how can they reach Equality Armenia? Yes, it's uh, www.equalityarmenia.org. Very and, easy. Uh, same handle on Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter. You have any upcoming events uh, people should uh, know about? We don't. We have our uh, Equality Armenia Leadership Award later this year. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, Armin Abelian, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you, John. Yeah, Thanks I hope for you'll come me. back. Yes. You come back and you'll bring a lesbian. I want a lesbian Armenian I with will. you. <laughs> all right. That sounds fun. <laughs> okay, all right. All right, gang. Well, you're tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran. When we come back after commercial break, LGBT historian and journalist Karen Oakham. You're going to want to hear from her. Let's talk to you all soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And what a great introduction to our next guest, Karen Oakham, LGBT journalist, historian, walking <laughs> Wikipedia. I call you all those things, Karen. I know. I don't know why. <laughs> because you've been around forever and I ever and been. ever. <laughs> you have a body of work. Well, I have a body. That's you have for a sure. Body. <laughs> It's bigger and bigger. We have day. aging bodies. We have bodies of work. Uh, thanks for coming on. I wanted to chat about the Equality Act. So yeah, it's thanks, John. It's being introduced again. Tell tell the listeners about it. Well, it it was just introduced by David Cicilline and a plethora of supporters, including, of course, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. You know, all the top brass and Tammy Baldwin, of course. Uh, Republicans too, <clears throat> bipartisan this time. Well. I, th I believe Susan Collins, Republican from Maine, Good. the senator, has signed on as a co-sponsor. It is a bipartisan bill. Uh, it's being shepherded a lot by the Human Rights Campaign. And this weekend, actually, they are they have this big convention with all their board members and, you know, flocking into D.C. and lobbying on behalf of uh, the Equality Act. Let's talk, tell people what it is, because, I mean, you and I know what it is. We're talking about it in a shorthand thumbnail way, but right. it pre pro prohibits discrimination in employment, housing, public accommodations, and a whole lot of other areas right. based on sexual orientation and gender, gender identity. identity yeah. It's all comprehensive. Well, let me, let me take off um, some of the things that involves public education, federal grants and loans, sale or rental of housing, real estate transactions, um, Credit transactions in particular is very interesting because one of the things that's been revealed is that California actually LGBT people are not protected in in the credit arena in California. I didn't know that. I, I think didn't know that, that either. <laughs> there's just been kind of an assumption that we've been protected. Um, so just to back up for a second, the uh, Equality Act is the next step after the Employment Non-Discrimination Act, if you remember that. ENDA. ENDA, Enda is yeah. what we called it, right. And that started out as job discrimination and housing and public accommodations. 
Um, and that means it's like the, the, the lunch counter historically right. is what we think about, or the bus. You know, uh, blacks being forced to ride in the back of the bus. Right, or hotels yeah. checking into a hotel. The Green Book. Yeah, that, we, that's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so what happened was that there was a big uproar and pushback against public accommodations and against uh, uh, housing. So we got those pieces got stripped out, much like AB 101, and it, it just was specifically about job discrimination, because finally people said, look, you know, pursuit of happiness includes <laughs> the pursuit of having a job in order to take care of yourself, in order to uh, be happy, and that's only fair right. to well, give somebody in the merit system an opportunity to have a job, seek a job, hold a job, be promoted, and not be fired based on who you are. So that seemed to have broad support, but this is key here. In order to move forward, uh, then Representative Barney Frank and some other people, uh, essentially at the Human Rights Campaign, uh, agreed to take out gender identity mm, mm, from mm, mm. this comprehensive job discrimination bill. Now, who is discriminated against more than trans people? True. So, um, so there was a huge uproar against that, and they, Barney Frank went around the country trying to explain, look, we will not get ENDA if we do not take transgender people out, it's just too too much, too fast, too soon, all that stuff. Well, the LGBT community revolted. We're not going to support a bill that does not include trans people. So that failed. And, you know, our quote-unquote opponents were thrilled about that because then they continue to have a right to discriminate, especially based on religious beliefs. Uh, which is what's coming back around again. Uh, and back to the Supreme Court eventually. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah, this people may not is realize not a, that in half the states you can be fired for being LGBT. You can 30, marry thirty states. You can yeah. marry your partner, but you can lose your job That's for exactly posting right. your wedding pictures. That, let alone, and again, AB one hundred and one. Rob Roberts uh, was quasi fired, quasi left daily variety in Los Angeles because he had a picture of his boyfriend on his desk and the then big shot editor said take that away you can't do that yeah and that was back in just to give That's people a frame of reference 1990 in Los yes, Angeles uh-huh. yeah yeah so anyway the the bottom line is is that Enda <laughs> was a standalone bill so the next iteration of leaders, you know, everybody else since then has been trying to figure out, well, how can we do this? Should we do this as a standalone bill or as happened with hate crimes in Sheila Kuehl's, remember, dignity for all students? Uh, she tried to do that as a standalone and then that got folded into the hate crimes bill. That's what uh, happened with this. This is now folding into the Civil Rights Act yeah. and a number of other the Civil existing Rights Act bills. of 1964. Yep. We got to take a quick commercial break. We're talking with Karen Oakham about the reintroduction or the introduction of the Equality Act. More about that when we come back. Thank you for listening to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We're talking to LGBT journalist, historian, and walking Wikipedia, Karen Oakham. <laughs> that gets me every time. <laughs> what were we talking about before the commercial break? Standalone bill. Right. So the Equality Act is not a standalone bill. It is. Uh, it, it makes about 59 amendments to, let me take them off for you, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Government Employee Rights Act of 1991, Congressional Accountability Act of 1995, Civil Service Reform Act of 1978, the Fair Housing Act, Civil Rights Act of 1968, uh, the Equal Credit Opportunity Act, and 28 U.S. Code Chapter 121, which is juries. Um, One of the things that has been difficult with this is that there was uh, some tentative backlash about quote-unquote, opening up the Civil Rights Act, because, as you know, the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act have been under constant attack, uh, and especially around voting and, you know, trying to, um, you know, African Americans are very protective of the Civil Rights Act. So there's been some pushback, you know, have it as a standalone bill. Don't open up the Civil Rights Bill, and you know, because we're too vulnerable right now. But the truth of the matter is, is that as a standalone, it would probably go the way of ENDA, which is that it wouldn't get very far at all. And the other thing to note, actually, is that this also includes sex in addition to sexual orientation and gender identity. So it's kind of a nod to the Equal Rights Amendment that was a standalone amendment that didn't quite make it all the way through the amendment process. As, as you probably know, a lot of feminists, a lot of women are trying to bring that back and say, hey, what about us? Right. You know. Let's play this out. So it gets through the House, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it gets through the Senate. There's well, enough moderate Republicans that I think will vote. I think McCollins, I think Murkowski, I think Gardner in Colorado. I think there's you're, enough you're moderates. Think, you're thinking that McConnell will allow it to come to the Senate floor for a vote Well, at that, all. that's a good point. I mean, they would need to have, what, 60 votes to bring it to the floor without McConnell? Right. Well, so here's the thing. So the Human Rights Campaign and another organization called Freedom for All Americans, which Mason Davis is now sure, heading, and Mason, our friend yeah. uh, John Davidson uh-huh. is the legal counsel there. Uh, they are specifically focused on ending discrimination, you know, on a federal level, but also at the state level. So there's this whole uh, movement now at a grassroots level, as well as lobbying the congressional offices at a, at the state level. Uh, to say, you know, we need support on this. We need, uh, you know, more than, I think it was 100, I want to say 126 uh, co-sponsors. I've forgotten at the moment. I'm sorry. Um, But, you know, there has to be a groundswell. So essentially, Mitch McConnell, 
you know, especially looking at 2020, won't have any option but to bring it to the floor for a vote because it becomes a litmus test, especially for vulnerable senators. Right. And Donald Trump, if it even got to his desk, would veto it because he seems to be the religious rights guy right now. Well, thanks to as Mike he's Pence. Signing Bibles and signing women's breasts at the same time, which I just don't, cannot put my head around. Here, sign my Bible in my breast. I mean, seriously. Well, that's uh, that's. Pete, did you hear about Mayor Pete's uh, Pete Buttigieg, uh, his comment about Mike Pence, of course, who was the governor of Indiana, as he's the the mayor of South Bend, and, and Mayor Pete, as he's called, is now running for president. I saw him last night. I interviewed him last uh-huh. night. Freedom, by the way. And non-discrimination is a very big part of his campaign. He's very moving, uh, talking about, uh, you know, being uh, a, a lieutenant in Afghanistan uh, under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, for instance. Wow. He's very moving, talking about, you know, what changed his life was his, the marriage to his husband. I mean, he talks about this. He talks about... Uh, trend, you know, the discrimination against transgender people. He talks about the need to protect uh, transgender people seeking asylum. It is our duty and responsibility to protect them, he says. I'm, I'm working on a whole story on that. I'm sorry to digress. <laughs> you but... are digressing. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, anytime that somebody talks about freedom for our people, but, but freedom for all as part of his platform. Right. And, and talks about it from his heart and moves so many people. Uh, I interviewed him about conversion therapy and the Equality Act and a number of other things. So that'll be up on the Los Angeles. I mean, we, we live in a bubble because one, we're in California. Yep. Two, we're in Los Angeles County. Three, you and I are even in West Hollywood, Los Angeles, California. So right. we are within a bubble of protection. And sometimes we forget that outside of these bubbles, like the entire state of Nebraska, People are suffering. Well, and sometimes we forget that these rights that we think are so fundamental and have been told to us are so fundamental, like the right to marry, can be taken away, which is what happened with Prop 8. Yep. Remember, we couldn't get the gay rights bill, so-called gay rights bill, AB 101, for the longest time. That was that was first introduced in, in the 19- 70s. Art Agnos, AB yeah, 1. Yeah, that's yep. exactly that's exactly right. right. Yeah, Karen and I will start throwing around names and numbers now <laughs> because that's how long we've been doing all this. But yeah, it's been going on forever and ever. But I mean, I think what's what's important is uh, I, I I do uh, I haven't met this uh, I can't even say his name Buttigieg 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 Buttigieg, um, but I, to be an openly gay mayor in South Bend, Indiana is pretty pretty amazing. Somebody said, well, he's the first pres- openly gay presidential candidate. I said, no, nope. he's not. Nope. Don't forget Fred, Fred Carger. Carger. Fred Carger here in Los Angeles. That's right. Ran as a Republican. That's for the right. Republican nomination. And That's he's right. A, a local resident in 2012. A, yep. Now he's and, an independent, by the way. But. And by the way. One of the big things about Fred is that he was he tried so hard to get on the debate stage because he wanted to take on Mitt Romney. That's what Mayor Pete is trying to do right now because there's so many people that there's this criteria for how to yeah. get on the debate stage. They may wait double digit, right? Well, 
if I mean he's actually pretty close, but the debate started in June, so he needs to make sixty thousand unique grassroots supporters, I believe, is the number, uh, in order to be invited to be part of the debate, uh, as well as have a, a polling numbers and and money. But you know the thing is, is that what happens like that listening to him at that CNN town hall? Once people hear him speak. You know, he, as he puts it, he lands. <laughs> so to be on that debate stage talking about us and himself as being at the table uh, could be a game changer yeah, if, you know, pe- awesome. enough people support him and get him there. Uh, we got to cut off to commercial break again. But Karen Oakham, <laughs> thank you as always for well, joining you. us here on Sidebar. I always love having you here. Thank it's you, such John. a fountain of information. <laughs> you, when John. we come back after commercial, we'll be talking to Mariah Hansen, founder of Club Skirts, about Dinosaur Weekend coming up in Palm Springs. Thank you for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. We love Dinosaur, and we love Mariah Hansen from Club Skirts and Dinosaur Weekend. Mariah, you on the air? There. Hello. Hi, Mariah. There you are. <laughs> Hi, how are you? I'm good. Welcome to Sidebar with John Duran, Mariah. I'm honored to be here. We got about 20,000 people listening from coast to coast and want to hear all about Dinosaur Weekend. So uh, well, let's start maybe with the origination of the weekend, because you've been involved, what, since day one? Yes, I have. Uh, there's a little bit of a history to it, but I've been producing it for 29 years. 29 years, Dinosaur Weekend. How did yes. it get started? Well, prior to my entrance, there were some smaller parties with some local Los Angeles promoters. And I was young and thought that I could go there and do something even greater and better. And so without having much reflection on what a huge endeavor I was taking on, I just decided to throw a party, and it spawned this entire revolution, really, in the way that uh, the Dinah and, and lesbian large events are produced. And how many women do you think will come? How many women come every year? I, I'm just curious. That's a tough number. You know, the city says between fifteen and 20,000. Uh, I wow. think it's safe for me to say that probably be around 10,000 10,000 15 20,000 lesbians all in one place sounds like a wonder world to me it does to me too (laughs) hey Mariah I had a quick question for you this Um, is Jason my producer hi Jason hi there Uh, do you have the radio on by any chance I don't know okay because I'm hearing some feedback and I was just wondering if you were near any loud radios or anything like that let me make sure that the other phone is not turned on all right. Yeah, because I... Uh, this is live radio, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking to Mariah Hansen, founder of Club Skirts and Dinah Shore Weekend, and there are fifteen to 20,000 lesbians about to descend on Palm Springs, California. What is the weekend this year, Mariah? Uh, it's April 3rd through 7th. Okay. And what, what, do the, what do the lesbians do for the week of Dinah Shore Weekend? 
it is five days of parties, musical concerts, comedy shows, pool parties, uh, meet and greets with celebrities, celebrity appearances. It, 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 there's a whole pool party day dedicated to Sunday Fun Day. So it's really a variety of activities that speak to the broad range of women that are attending the event. And, and who goes? Is it lesbian couples or women looking for relationships or both? Or Oh, everybody. The Dinah is a bucket list for lesbians and, and queer women. And so we see young people, older people, people from as far as Russia have come to the event. It's an international event. It's, it's a, it's a, it, it just really speaks to a culture. And participating in five days where women feel very united, uh, a sense of community, and living out loud. Now, 29 years ago, when you were a young woman getting involved in all this, was this a major entrepreneurial thing for a young woman like yourself to take on this incredible, extraordinary task? Absolutely. I think what I was trying to allude to previously was that it, it was so much bigger and grander than what my young mind could conceive. When I look back on the courage that I had stepping into those shoes, I'm, I'm a little bit amazed. I don't know that I would do it today. <laughs> I don't know sometimes if it was our courage or our naivete. <laughs> Probably both. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I want to tell people that uh, you were part of the founding of Equality California when we created Equality California back at the year 2000 to get marriage equality for the great yeah. state of California. And that's when I first met you. Here, here we right. were. And God, that was 20 years ago already. Isn't that crazy, John? <laughs> it is crazy. It is but crazy. But we did some really good work. Oh. And and look at how much the world has changed in the last 20 years. I mean, it's reflected in every avenue of our culture. I think that's so true. Now, where are there communities uh, around the United States that are identified more as a lesbian community? Like Cherry Grove used to be like the place for lesbians to gather on Fire Island. Does that exist still? I'm sure it does in, in small pockets, John, but at the same time, I think that the relevancy uh, is, is very gray. Uh, you and I know the importance of, of, of us getting together in, in ways that are either political or social or community-oriented because we have a, a very distinct culture. But yet, mainstream has so embraced diversity, uh, we certainly have a long way to go still, but more than ever before. And so I think that there's a feeling with younger LGBTQIA-identified people that the need for our distinct places isn't as important. However, I, I do think that um, uh, that may not prove to be true. Hmm. I remember back in the 70s, I'm a little older than you, back in the 70s and even early 80s, the women's music festivals that used to happen. Do those still happen? I don't think so. Yeah, they kind of they kind of disappeared. I mean, it was Chris Williamson. Yeah, yeah. I remember Robin Tyler was a comedian at these things. Yeah, and, for, yeah. and the, the, the Michigan Women's Fest, uh, uh, Robin Tyler did a lot of um, annual events. And they really spoke to separatism in a way. Men just were not invited. Uh, and, and it was very militant. If you had a, a child that was male, they weren't allowed. And 
that's a paradigm that is generational. Yeah, uh, Diane Abbott was my guest last week. You remember Diane? Of course I do. I love she, Diane. Yeah, she was part of that early days, and she had two sons, and she recalled being told that her, her gay sons were not allowed to be anywhere. In fact, they should just be drowned. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is not a, a healthy aspect of of any psyche to uh, exclude 50% of the population. Now, we can all agree that men need men's spaces, women need women's spaces, but that those, those lines should be a little blurred at the edges because we all need to feel like whatever space we're in, that it encompasses what we need to be in it. That's a, actually a good point. Are, will there be men circulating around Dinosaur Weekend, or is it all women's space? Well, here's my stance on it. Uh, I feel like a lot of women have male best friends. Sometimes they're straight, sometimes they're gay, but they're male-identified. And if they're going to an event like the Dinah and they're looking for a sense of community, but at the same time it's an overwhelming and intimidating event to attend because there's thousands of women there and you want to bring your best friend because that will make you more comfortable, who am I to say you can't bring your best friend because your best friend's a man? That doesn't make sense to me. And so there's always a handful of men at the event. And I can tell you in 29 years, I don't remember an instance when they haven't gotten that they're in a women's space, that they haven't felt very respectful about being in that space. And at the end of the weekend, that they haven't become a really popular uh, part of the weekend because sometimes that maleness, you know, that a little bit in that women's event is just just the right little dash to make it a perfectly well-rounded weekend. Oh, that's so cool way of looking at it. I mean, and men are not immune from this, by the way, because I remember being at Studio One in the 70s where it was no women allowed. It was yeah. three forms of ID and no open-toed shoes and other ways of discriminating against women at our clubs. And fortunately, that's all changed, too. Yeah, I mean, I think it is changing. I, I think it's probably still true in pockets, um, but it's changing, and that's what's important, and it's also generational. Yeah. You know, young people have, are very, um, they're very gray. They're, it's blurred on that continuum. They go to straight events. They go to gay events. They don't necessarily identify with being LGBTQIA, and yet they live a lifestyle that would fit into that umbrella. And we're just defining ourselves in so many different ways. It's interesting to watch because it's so different than what I'm used to. But at the same time, I think it's incredibly liberating. I want to talk more about that. Can you, can you stick around for another segment? We're going to go to a quick commercial break. Got you more got time? It. All right. We'll be talking to Mariah Hansen from Club Skirts Productions and uh, the founder and producer of Dinosaur Weekend. More about that when we come back here on Sidebar with John Duran. The lovely dinosaur got you under my skin. And we're talking to Mariah Hansen, founder of Club Skirts Productions and Dinosaur Weekend. Mariah, why dinosaur and lesbians? I'm just curious. It had to do with the golf. Yeah, she was a really amazing woman who realized that there was a, a huge uh, disparity in the purses. Men were making tons of money, women weren't. And so she lent her name to the Palm Springs uh, leg of the, the ladies' golf tournaments and it really made a huge difference it, it raised the the purse and it really raised the visibility of women's golf that's and amazing golf and so they went down to palm springs to watch the golf and somebody had a really good idea to say hey let's have a party 
and off it went. And off it went. And uh, 30 years ago, too. That's amazing to me, that much time. Yeah. You know, me my, too, John. I know what happened, Mariah. <laughs> we were young. Yeah. My, my, my darling producer who's in studio with me right now, Jason Y. Jason uh, had to come out to me as an avowed heterosexual. I about fell off my radio stool here <laughs> that he was straight, because I just assume everybody here is gay. He was absolutely well, shocked. So I was shocked. Yeah. I was shocked. Yeah. But, I mean, here we are, and like, he's got... He's got like you know complete total comfort with all the lgbt people coming in and out of the show and i guess yeah. we're just in a different place in history yeah <laughs> it's pretty amazing but you know that's been a lot of hard work yeah it and ha- it's not it's not it's so easy to take that for granted and and it's where our history is really important and it's where young people in our community need to know our history because there are so many heroes and there are so many unsung heroes you're one of them, and um, and these things need to be honored because if we don't remember our history, you know that you know that Adage, we'll we'll be doomed to to repeat it. It's so true. We now, always have to learn from our history, you know. Yeah, That's very, why yeah, we have absolutely. It. Yeah, Mariah, when you and I met, you were a San Franciscan. Is that where you were raised, San Francisco? I was raised in Mill Valley, California. In where Noe Valley? Mill Valley. Mill Valley. Right outside of San Francisco. And yeah. uh, were you like the only lesbian in town in Mill Valley? <laughs> I might have been. <laughs> it was a tough coming out, John. <laughs> it's, it's why it's always good to love yourself, right? Because you may be the only one eligible to date you. <laughs> and so you just gravitated from Mill Valley over to the city and county of San Francisco to find a new I life? Is, is that what happened? I did. And I loved living there for a long time. And then I went back to my basic roots. I actually live in the mountains above Palm Springs. Oh, my and, gosh. And, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah but, uh, but city life for me was just a blast when I was younger. And then as I got older, I wanted things to slow down a little bit. And I, oh gosh, I understand. I, I still live on the Sunset Strip in West Hollywood. And I've been thinking that's lately, really. my gosh, I need a place to retreat. <laughs> I need you can come to... visit me. I'm at uh, 5,000 feet with horses and views of mountains. They're snow-capped. It's gorgeous up here. And then 30 minutes away, I'm in 70-degree heat. But down right in now, the valley in Palm Springs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, our dear friend Jeffrey Kors is a council member down in Palm Springs now. I think it's just extraordinary. I'm going to have him I on the too. show in a couple of weeks. Well, he's running for re-election, so I'm glad you're going to have him on the show because he's done so much good for... Palm Springs, but he does good wherever he goes. I mean, that man was really uh, leading the fight for for marriage equality in California, and he, he, he needs so much credit for the work that he did. We certainly supported him as a board, but Jeff is an incredible human being. He, he sure is, and a big shout-out to all of you in Palm Springs listening on 103.1 FM right now. We love your Jeff Kors there in Palm Springs. Yes, we do. Yes, <laughs> we, we do. You know, I, I can't help but wonder, uh, when you arrived in San Francisco, uh, what, what year was it? Oh, my gosh, 1984. 84. So you were there kind of at the beginning of the HIV hitting, you know, mm-hmm. the big cities and gay men and lesbians having to discover one another and one another mm-hmm. for the first time. And anything yeah. about that that you recall the first time that the lesbians and gays started chatting in San Francisco? I mean, L.A. It was like a historic moment when we found, kind of found each other and started to work together. Right. Well, I think that what was really amazing was that lesbians really showed up and and supported their 
their their gay counterparts and that really started an inroad into our relationship building because things were so separate prior to that they were. and people it, don't understand really, that yeah they're two yeah. separate communities they were two separate communities and classically women have been underrepresented so that's always going to be an issue for women until until there's just complete equality but and so that that had to do with a lesbian issue but also had to do with a, a female issue yeah and it's so great to see this resurgence happening where the women's movement i think is stronger than ever and we really reflect that at the dyna you know it's kind of fun producing the event right now because I get to design an event that really speaks to women visibility, women empowerment, um, presenting inspiring role models uh, to perform for us, to show up at meeting greets. And it's all messaging that says we are a strong and united voice. And this is part of the baseline of our message that the stronger we are, the closer we're going to get if we move forward together because men have so model that team mentality and women, I don't think was socialized in that way. Mm. And so there's a lot of differences with our community that we certainly built bridges and, and have mended. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly thankful for that because uh, you know, we need each other. We do, and absolutely. Besides, you guys are the funny half of our community. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, as you may have read, my body humor gets me in trouble sometimes, but that's very, very true. <laughs> well, I mean, look where we are now. We got Tammy Baldwin, U.S. Senator in, uh, up yep. in Wisconsin. We got Kristen Cinema, bisexual senator in Arizona. And California continues to have two women senators, as we've had for, I don't know, 25, 30 years now. And it's all, yeah. all, all great yeah. and fantastic. Well, yeah. Mariah, we are about done. I, any rooms left? Do people still want to go to Dinosaur Weekend? Can you still book a we room? We have a handful of rooms left at the Hilton and the Hyatt. Uh, we never sell out of our weekend passes because we have so much space to work out of at the Palm Springs Convention Center. And it's looking like another really incredible year. Our lineup is amazing, and we're selling tickets through the roof. So, And the weather is supposed to be very, very warm, which is so nice because it's been a cold, cold winter. So what's we the hope web, people what's come the out. Website? What's the website? People want to Thedina.com. There you go. All right, Mariah Hansen, Club Skirts founder and Dinosaur Weekend founder. Mariah, always lovely chatting with you. Have Absolutely, a great Dinosaur Weekend if I don't see you. And uh, love to everybody there out in the desert. You got it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Mariah. You're listening to Channel Q at Sidebar with John Duran. Well, kids, admit another great sidebar show here. I want to thank all my guests for coming by today. Armin Abelian from Equality Armenia, Karen Oakham, and the wonderful Mariah Hansen from Dinosaur Weekend, just giving us a great day. And I guess I'm going to finish off the show with one of these stories that, you know, the young ones always look at me and roll their eyes like, oh, my God, is this going to be one of your, when we were young, we had to walk eight miles through the snow for LGBT equality stories? Yes, that's exactly what the 
this is just going to be. But Karen Oakham mentioned AB 101. AB 101 was the California version of the Employment Non-Discrimination Act, and it was vetoed by then-Governor Pete Wilson on September 29, 1991. And my friend Rob Roberts had been on a hunger strike at Queer Village at the corner of Santa Monica Boulevard in Crescent Heights, where he had been fasting for 30 days to ask the governor to please sign our bill to give us just a modicum of decency by allowing us to keep our jobs. And the cowardly governor of California, Pete Wilson, vetoed that bill under pressure from the religious right. And what happened next was truly miraculous because after the great strife in the 1980s, LGBT people were so angry and so burned out, had buried so many friends and been in so many hospitals and so much grief. And all of this became incendiary political kindling, just waiting to be ignited. And when Governor Wilson vetoed that bill on September 29th, 1991, it incited three, almost three weeks of rioting in the streets of Los Angeles. People rioted all over the great state of California, from San Diego all the way up to the North Coast. But in Los Angeles and in West Hollywood, for almost three weeks, people were rioting until the LAPD charged us all on horseback, clubbed us, and arrested us. And that stopped the demonstrations from occurring But what happened that day when word got out that the governor had vetoed the bill? Rob Roberts, his fast was over. The governor had betrayed us. And a group of young queer nationals at the corner of Santa Monica Boulevard and Crescent Heights said, aren't you suits and ties sick and tired of being treated like this? And we were coming out of ACT UP days, and they began to march down Santa Monica Boulevard. And there we were, suits and streets, people from the mainstream political action committees like yours truly, and the queer nationals and act up people from the streets and we took Santa Monica Boulevard and began to walk down the streets and as we got to the Palms Bar a lesbian billiard parlor on Santa Monica Boulevard somebody ran in and said out of the bars into the streets and before you knew it there were all these lesbians with cue sticks in their hands marching in the streets and then we got to the 24-hour fitness sports connection and somebody ran inside and said out of the bar out of the gyms into the streets and before you knew it we saw guys that we had seen on the treadmill Suddenly, in the middle of the march, gay boys in their gym clothes got off those treadmills. I never thought I would see that. And by the time we got to the corner of Santa Monica Boulevard in San Vicente, in the heart of the historic Boys Town District, our little number had grown from 20 people to 300 as hundreds of people joined into the march. And somebody said, let's come back tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, and bring a friend. The next night, there were 10 thousand people at the corner of Santa Monica Boulevard and San Vicente. Lesbians, gay men, bisexuals, transgendered women and transgendered men, and our straight allies, and we were angry and there were no leaders and we were protesting our basic right to employment and work and out of that came weeks of protest demanding that the government take action. And that is where we come from as LGBT people and that is how we move forward with the Equality Act being introduced in D.C. Because it's one thing to have mainstream politicians carrying our bill and moving our legislation forward, but we're going to need people ready and willing to take to the streets and to pressure people to vote for the bill and move it along in order to ensure that we have the right to employment, housing, and public accommodations in this country from this moment forward. It should have been like this 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, but it hasn't gotten there yet, but it will. 
in our lifetimes, it will. And if not under this orange-flavored president, under the next president, whoever she or he is, it will happen in our lifetimes. And then hopefully we spread the message to other parts of the world, as we heard today, from Armenia to China to Russia, eventually Africa, around the world, finding full acceptance and diversity that LGBT people are part of the great human design by the Creator. So, I want to thank you all for tuning in to another week of Sidebar with John Duran. Look forward to talking to you all next week, and I look forward to seeing some of you very soon out in Palm Springs for Dinosaur Weekend or the White Party, whatever your flavor may be. So, until the next week, we will all talk to you soon. I am fading out. Jason, can I fade out? Go for it. All right. My producer's telling me I can fade out a little early. Thank you for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran, and we'll talk to you all next week. See you next week.